0: What is going on everybody? Welcome in. Gabriel Fluellen here, Extra Points Podcast. Happy weekend everybody. One day away from week four. Not officially kicking off because of course we did have the have the Thursday game, but one day away, not even not even 24 hours as of the time that I'm I'm recording this. It's 9.36 exactly when I start this. And you know what it is tomorrow, guys. We get our first international game. So, for me, game starts at 9.30 a.m. I love it. For me, it, 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 it's perfect. I You wake up right at, I don't know, say I wake up at 7, go for a bike ride, something like that, get back around 9, take a shower, boom, sit right down in front of the TV, and we got a game on. Viking Saints and... Should be a good one. I'll get get into it a little bit more later. I want to do a little bit of a preview show. Have, have a bunch of other stuff to talk about as well. So it is going to be a packed show today. But hey, no, no, nothing wrong with that. Give you guys something to something to listen to, something to stream. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for the start of the international games. I know depending on where you live, it can be kind of tedious, I guess, waking up for it, like for for, for the West Coasters out there and stuff. I believe the game started at 6.30 a.m., which, I don't know, especially if you're on the West Coast and just happen to be a Saints or Vikings fan, that's got to be kind of brutal. Especially because, I mean, hey, who wants to wake up that early on a, on a Sunday? But, I mean, hey, you got to do what you got to do to catch your team, you know? I believe in Minnesota and in um, New Orleans, the two main fan-, fan bases, they're just an hour behind where I am, so their games will start at, what, 8.30? So even so, that's not too bad. And no- nothing like waking up super early, being able to catch a good game and stuff like that. Hoping, hoping it's a good game. And yeah, I mean, I know I know that opinions on these international games and stuff like that are sort of mixed, uh, but for, for me, I, I always thoroughly enjoy them. Always give, n- there's nothing better, at least in my opinion, I guess, than a full day of football. And I know, like, typically a full day of football is right about at 1 when the first slate kicks off to about, I don't know, 10, 30, 11, whenever that last game ends. Well, not now. Now, screw that. Because typically, I I wake up super early, so I always have those f- like five, six hours, maybe even seven sometimes, just on just waiting around for the games to start at one. But yeah, not anymore. I mean, like I said, if I wake up at seven, go for a bike ride and stuff, I'll get back and have have a game for me right at nine thirty, right when I get home. And then it's just football day, and that's that's incredible. That's always fun, but. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on that a bit later. I kind of do want to review what happened on Thursday first, and then I do have a couple of other topics just to bring up. But yeah, I mean, w- without further ado, I, I do want to get into the to the game on Thursday. In the game, I guess on Thursday, it, it's been talked about so much that I feel like people at this point are almost probably kind of sick of hearing about it. And it's, it's not getting the, all the publicity and stuff. It, it's been all over ESPN. Every single network just has had nonstop coverage on it, but not for the right reasons. Uh, I mean, honestly, looking at the game on the outside, like just, just prior to Thursday when I went over it on, on Wednesday, it, it was an exciting game. It had the prospects of being an incredible game. I mean, you have the top team in the AFC and the Dolphins, going in to face the defending AFC champions in the Cincinnati Bengals, and, I mean, obviously you have Tua up and coming, you have their explosive offense versus the Bengals' explosive offense, and it was was set to be a really good game. Not only that, but the Bengals also debuted those sweet, sweet white helmets, and, I don't know, I I think the helmets and the uniforms look great, and it was cool that they even repainted the logo to be white and black as well. I'm not sure if you guys caught that, but it, it was really cool, and, but un- unfortunately it was i don't know it, it was a decent game i want to say up until obviously that the, the injury to tua happened and that's what's been in the news constantly it was in it all friday uh, i can only assume that it that'll continue to be so until we get more news after this this slate of games but that's all that was on any show any radio station any anything even on local news stations just the story of Tua and the hit and everything was going viral and that's really just what I wanted to talk about. I know that after the game against Buffalo I came back and I reacted and I was saying it it was kind of crazy that he got cleared to be in so fast but as long as he was cleared by the concussion protocol I said that I was fine with him being allowed back in the game and against the Bills he came back in and he was fine he wasn't stumbling he looked all right and so that 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 was kind of that and then the NFLPA did come out with their investigation say that they did want to look into things at least just to how the heck he got cleared so quickly and stuff like that just because with um, prior happenings that were similar like how Mahomes had that happen to him and he was taken out of the game how Daniel Jones had it happen he was taken out of the game and stuff like that but yet Tua was cleared to return and I know that I said hey if he made it through concussion protocol, he cleared it, I have no issue with him playing. And that's true, but he also had some more injuries throughout the week that apparently they were lingering. Uh, Thursday before the game, though, he was clear to play, and everything seemed fine, until of course he took a sack late in the second quarter, and it didn't look like he landed wrong, which was a weird thing. Like He didn't land on his head, he just landed kind of flat on his back, which... I'm um, sure that I guess you could say that that was that was landing wrong, but it it didn't look anything outside of a normal hit. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It looked like a textbook hit. He wasn't slammed to the ground brutally. It wasn't a roughing the passer call or anything like that. But once he hit the ground, that's kind of I guess when when all hell broke loose. His body seized up. He was he was posturing, which is at least kind of what I've learned just from a couple classes and stuff. Just through like high school and stuff. I'm not not claiming to be a, a professional in any of this, but essentially his body seized up and locked into a position. He, you saw his fingers, they were all contorted and his hands were kind of trapped like that. He wasn't moving, he was on the ground, he was motionless. It was, it was pretty terrifying. It was really, really scary to look at in... Yeah, even the announcers, everybody on the field, it was, it was dead silent. You could hear it through the broadcast in the stadium. All the players were lining up around him. It was a really, really scary hit. And uh, yesterday, like I said, it, it, it was the main story. It, it was everywhere. Every single news station, every single, uh, I don't know, ESPN, every single NFL media outlet Was talking about that, and I know that a lot of the shows that I was at least tuning into, just watching to see the updates and stuff surrounding it, they had a bunch of whether it be docs or doctors or injury analysts and stuff like that, all as guests on the show to kind of explain just what happened in the injury and all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, a bunch of them said that what what happened to him, how he locked up his body, sort of, how his fingers contorted, and he was just lying there. They said that, yeah, it was called, I, bl- I believe a couple of them called it fencing. It was referred to as posturing, like I mentioned. And a bunch of them said that his body seizing up like that was a neurological response to severe head trauma. Which, that, that that's terrifying. It's terrifying to hear, especially as a Dolphins fan. It's, it's terrifying to hear as anybody. You never want to see that especially not on the field, just injuries. I know that they are part of a game, but you never want to see something, especially not as serious as this, someone getting carted off on a board in an ambulance. It's, it, it's gross. And that that kind of gets into the, I guess, I guess, the deeper point behind this, and that's that's what the NFLPA kind of wanted to sue over in the first place, is how the hell was Tua allowed back on the field? I know a lot of people were, were saying, how the hell was he allowed back? Uh, in week three against the Bills, how the hell did they clear him in 26 minutes after stumbling, unable to walk after getting hit? How was he clear to go back on the field? And I know that he looked fine afterwards. I mean, he made he made a couple of big plays. He was walking. He was running. He was moving without without any issue. It seemed, but apparently, apparently he had like a, like a back injury or they they classified it as something like that after. After the, um, after the whole incident, going, like through the practices, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and stuff, even Wednesday, it said that he was limited with a back injury and a back issue, and I, I'm not trying to accuse the Dolphins team as forcing Tua to play. I, that, that's not at all what I'm trying to say, but how the hell was there not a single person in that organization that could have seen that maybe something wasn't right, or just anyone, maybe a team doctor that said, hey, maybe we should hold him out this week, especially if he was limited. And like I said, I'm not at these practices. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Like, it, Tua came back in the game against the Bills and looked fine. So if he continued to look fine throughout the week, he spoke to the media. He was saying that he was fine. Uh, the coaches said that he was fine. Everything, all of that. So I I, I guess it, it's just a little bit of confusion for me and the media and everybody is as to how everything sort of slipped through the cracks, I guess, because Tua being allowed to play and, and stuff like that something must have slipped through the cracks because when he was hit it was that that was the first time he was hit that was the first sack that he took i mean maybe not the first time he was hit but th- that was the first sack that he took it was the only sack that he took and when he hit everything seemed to go wrong and not only is this an issue for Tua himself which a- as to now i wanted to hold off before really reacting to it because i wanted to see what was wrong with Tua he was he he traveled back to Miami with the team. It was said he was stable. He could move his extremities, which is great news. And then uh, later yesterday night, he tweeted out a statement saying that he was he was doing better. He was okay, which was great to hear. And now it's kind of shifting more to the focus of now that we're all I get not content, but it's nice. It's we're reassured that is okay, and that's great. We can finally stop not not really stop worrying about him. We can stop fearing the worst. And now after that, kind of the whole focus has shifted to the NFL, uh, the NFLPA, the doctors, team doctors, whatever, whoever this onus is going to be on. And now we're getting a bunch of people, whether it be former players like Rob Ninkovich, who I know he came out on, I believe Get Up it was, and his career ended a little early due to head injuries. He went off on the NFL in general, just saying that everyone did a disservice to it. A bunch of players tweeted stuff out saying like okay what the hell are we doing here why was he able to play and there's going to be a lot of uproar and in my opinion I think someone's probably going to lose their job because of this I don't know if it's going to be a team trainer or an NFL doctor or whoever's in charge of clearing him to be able to play on Thursday but after a scary hit like that it I I don't know why why was he playing that hit, it could have thrown his life, his career in jeopardy. The NFL is in some serious shit. I, I, I don't know any better way to put it. And I know that a lot of people are going to say, well, oh, he, if he was in such a, such a bad state, I guess it's his own fault for saying he can play. And I do understand that. And I do, and I do get that to an extent. I mean, yes, maybe it would have been better if he was able to say like, Hey, I'm not going to play. I'm not feeling great. But even if he wasn't feeling great, no is going to do that, essentially. There's not going to be a player who who does that because they don't want to feel like they're quitting on their team or anything like that. At least that's what I think. And, yeah, it you, you can't fault Tua for wanting to go into play, especially on a big game, a 3-0, and your team's doing well. It, it, you can't fault Tua at all for that. But it's going to be interesting over the next couple couple weeks, I guess, couple days, whatever it may be, to figure out what's going to happen, what's going to come because of this. And... That's all I really did want want to get into at least on that because like I said, I don't know all what's going on. I'm not a doctor. I don't'm not involved with in the NFL and what their, what their protocols are. So I, I, I don't want to touch too heavily on that and make it seem like I know something that everybody else doesn't. It, I, I'm in the dark like you guys are. We're waiting to see what the what the protocol is, what the probe that the NFLPA is putting out there is going to result in. And until then it's just speculation. And honestly, that whole happening, with to really put a damper on the whole game. It ended 27-15. to The Bengals came out with a win. Teddy Bridgewater came in in relief. And honestly, didn't look terrible. He did have a pick uh, in there. But, I mean, hey, he, he, he was in decent command of the offense. Tyree Kill still got his. Tyree Kill was, what, 10 catches over 150-some yards. I don't think he had a touchdown or anything like that. But, Teddy Bridgewater, the biggest thing that people would judge him for was he would say, like, hey, he would never throw a deep ball hey, he hucked like a 60-some yarder to Tyreek Hill. looked pretty damn good to me. And I don't know how long is going to be out, but can Teddy Bridgewater keep them afloat in the time being? Yes, I I, I do believe so. He, I, I think Teddy Bridgewater's one of the high-rent backups. In their next few games, they have the Jets on the road, which they should be able to win there. I know they're on the road, but I think Teddy Bridgewater's good enough to beat the Jets. Then they have the Vikings at home, and that, that'll be a tough game. Can they win there? Maybe. Uh, they have the Steelers, Lions. I don't like, like. I said I don't know how long two is going to be out, but that's just that's just four weeks ahead. And looking at that with Teddy Bridgewater, you can at least at least go two and two. And that that's if two is out for four weeks. I don't know how long he is. I'm assuming it's not going to be that long. But like I said, we're still waiting on the updates for that. And then going into the Bengals side of things, just to touch on lightly because there, there, there's not much you can take away from a game where the starting quarterback was injured. Uh, some of the way in but the Bengals look fine they, they looked good it looks like they're starting to regain their form they forced a bunch of turnovers I know they had a couple picks and stuff like that which was nice to see by the defense and then more importantly was Joe Burrow he only got sacked once that was the most important thing and the Dolphins have a meh pass rush I guess they they, they got to the Bills pretty efficiently they haven't gotten to many other people that much so far this year but they do have some big names, I guess Mark In- Melvin Ingram, uh, Christian Wilkins, obviously, and then they drafted Jordan Phillips last year. So they have a couple big names, but it was just nice to see that Joe Burrow only got sacked once. I mean, he's been averaging five sacks a week for the past three weeks. And, I mean, yeah, it, it it's just nice that you can finally get protection. And when Joe Burrow got his protection, he was efficient. Completed enough passes, got enough yardage, was able to sit in the pocket and really chuck some things deep, and he he got the job done. Now their their run game still pitiful, um, only 2.2 yards per carry on 30 freaking attempts, just brutal. But I mean, they're able to take care of business at home, and if you're a Bengals fan, that's a re- that's really all you could hope for. So it's 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 nice seeing that. Now, kind of shifting away from that, just a couple quick storylines before I get into the Week Four preview, and. more storylines in Dallas and obviously everybody probably heard by now Jerry Jones talking about how he would welcome a QB controversy and I, I just wanted to touch briefly on if that's even possible yeah Cooper Rush has been playing well but can he even take over for Dak Prescott and would he I mean Dak Prescott said that he wants to come back week five and he's looking for that so that's next week say Cooper Rush wins this week which is very plausible against the against the commanders who just don't have a great team this year if he wins then, is, is he going to be starting over Dak Prescott? I mean, if, if Cooper Rush is 3-0 in his starts, will they play him over Prescott? Honestly, I doubt it. Even if he comes back, maybe, maybe they would say, hey, Dak, take another week and then see what Cooper rush can do the week after in week six. But even if he wins then and he faces the Eagles, I mean, if they win then, maybe you can start to entertain the thought. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think Cooper Rush has done anywhere close to enough to be able to say, hey, see, I'm better than Dak Prescott. Start me here. And I know that it's a fun thing to think about. And I know that Dak didn't play too well, uh, like kind of where he started and he finished last year sort of rocky, I guess, just in the playoff game. But, yeah, th- th- there's no way, in my opinion, <clears throat> that, that Cooper Rush should – should be put in over Dak Prescott. I, I, I get the idea of wanting to have a QB controversy if, if Cooper Rush plays well, but he has not done anywhere close to enough to unseat Dak Prescott as the uh, f- official starter, I guess, going forward. Maybe if he, like I said, maybe if he wins this week, it'll be enough to say, hey, Dak, take an extra week just to make sure you're 100% fine. But yeah, I, I, I doubt it. And then in other injury news, uh, kind of, I, I guess, surrounding surrounding quarterbacks is, is, is with Zach Wilson. He was cleared to play against the Steelers, and that, that that's pretty big for the Jets. It, it's going to be pretty big because obviously you're getting your hopefully franchise quarterback back, and more so for them, it's it's against the Steelers, and the Steelers are definitely a beatable team when you're the Jets. Now, will they win? I don't know. This this is a game that I'm really going back and forth on, and I don't want to touch on it too much here, just because I'm going to in the in the little review that I'm going to do here shortly, but. How rusty is Zach Wilson going to be? And how is he going to be? Because we haven't seen him since last season. He had a very, very rough rookie season. Obviously, he got hurt, but he didn't look great last season at all. And then even in the preseason, he didn't look too, too hot, if I'm being completely honest. Now, this is going to be his first game back getting into NFL action, real NFL action, against a decent defense. Obviously, the Steelers don't have TJ Watts, but it's going to be interesting to see. And it's gonna be exciting to see to see Zach Wilson. But how's he gonna be? I have no idea. We, we we have yet to see. And so I, I guess with that, let, 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 let's let's jump into let's jump into the 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 week, I guess. So the the slate of games, let's jump into the review, whatever you wanna call it here. And it, I'm really excited. I, like I said, first game, 9.30 in the morning for me at least being on the east coast here Vikings versus Saints in London Saints are technically the home team here but yeah I mean it's an international game there is no 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 real home field advantage here because I don't know every single time we see a London game or a, uh, or a I don't know across the across the world game wherever they happen to play one of my favorite things is just seeing the crowd and seeing how many different jerseys there are I think it's so cool Cause I think last year it was what, uh, Jags, Falcons maybe or Falcons Jets or something like that, in London I think it was one of the games. Yeah, it was Jags Dolphins in one of them and then uh, Jets Falcons. But either way, it's it's super cool to look in the into the crowd and see all of these different jerseys. I think it's awesome. And I've heard, from what I've heard from like hearing players talk about it it's a great atmosphere because the people in London love to see football and they really want to and I think that that's awesome but anyways outside of the atmosphere this is this is kind of a cut and dry game for me Uh, I believe everywhere you look analytics say oh it's about a 50-50 game not in my opinion especially not with hearing how Jameis Winston is ruled out or he might be doubtful I don't know if he's officially out yet but it's, it's leaning more to the fact that, no, he's not going to be playing. Michael Thomas is ruled out. And Andrus Pete, their guard, is out. Marcus May is out. Jarvis Landry and Alvin Kamara are both questionable. Just the sheer injury report for the Saints, I don't think that they have much of a chance in this game. Because Winston and Michael Thomas and your starting guard are out. So, I mean, you're relying on Olave and an injured Jarvis Landry to step up with Andy Dalton coming in and that's already bad enough as it is and then say Alvin Kamara doesn't play I know he's been relatively quiet so far this year but say he and Jarvis Landry also don't play yikes just yikes for the Saints they they have just about nobody if that's if that's actually how it's going to be and then for the Vikings they don't have a great defense or anything obviously and I don't know if this is technically a primetime game. I mean, for everyone here, I guess it technically is because it's its own window. But where they're playing or when they're playing for us, shoot, what would the time be? I believe uh, it's, it's, what, five hours ahead of where we are. So for me, five hours ahead would just be right around like 2 p.m., which is, is just about normal for a normal 1 p.m. slate. So it's not going to be primetime Kirk Cousins, I guess, essentially, at least not for, at their time, it wouldn't be. And Delvin Cook, he was cleared to play. Justin Jefferson, he's probably, hopefully, going to have a bounce-back week. He's been shut down. He's been pretty quiet over the last week or so. So I'm looking for him to bounce back. Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell, I I don't know. I don't think that the Saints are going to be able to do too much. And I know that their defense is is the main, I guess, the key cog of their team, especially with having a defensive head coach. Even if Marshall and Lattimore shuts down Justin Jefferson, we saw it last week, KJ Osborne, Adam Thielen were able to step up, and obviously you have Delvin Cook playing as well. So in my opinion, right here, it, it should be a Saints a Saints uh, loss, unfortunately. The Vikings should be able to take this one. But you do have the fact that the Saints are kind of playing for their, not lives here, but dropping the 1-3, not good. We're getting into the point where, you, don't, you when where, where teams can really start to get far behind if they've started rough in any time you fall that far below 500, in this case, like three games or whatever it may be. Yeah, I, it, it's kind of do or die now for the Saints. To put up or shut up, whatever you want to call it. But I, I think the Vikings are going to take it. Now, this is a little bit of a weird line here uh, for our first one o'clock game that we're going to be going over. It's the Browns at the Falcons and Cleveland's only favored by 1. That's kind of weird. I I feel like that line is very very small. It's essentially a pick 'em this week because if you pick the Browns, you're picking them to win by 1, which if they win, they need to win by 1. So it really is just a pick 'em here. I don't know if the Falcons have done that much to prove that they should be that close or I guess or I guess that the line should be that close. I know that they've played teams tough and they definitely have. But most of it has been, I guess, kind of spirited comebacks towards the end of games. I mean, they lost to the Saints when they were beating them, but they blew the lead. And then they had a bit of a comeback there against the, against the Rams, but ultimately fell short. And they won last week against the Seahawks, and they just barely did. But now they're at home. I... I don't know, because looking at the Browns, they arguably should be 3-0. and I don't think they should have lost that game to the Jets. That was a massive choke job. And yeah, I think that the line of minus one is way too low in the sense that the Browns should be favored by, in my eyes, a little bit more than that. So right here, I am definitely leaning towards the Browns. If you guys are going to put anything uh, down gambling-wise, I would definitely take the Browns and the points to win by at least one. I think they have a much better defense in general. I think they'll be able to... Definitely stifle Marcus Mariota and they're lacking passing attack. And yeah, I mean, I know I know Amari Cooper doesn't really show up on the road, but their run game's great. The Falcons defense in general is not. The Falcons do not have a good run defense. I think Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt are going to be able to feast against them. And I, I'm I'm a fan of A.J. Terrell, but even if he does lock up Amari Cooper, like I said, I think they're gonna eat him alive on the ground. In The Falcons offense just hasn't been able to get anything going. I think that the Browns uh, kind of passing pass defense is not up to par. I mean, Denzel Ward hasn't been playing too well. And then uh, Greg Newsome, everybody outside of that hasn't been showing too much. But their pass rush, I think, will just abuse the Falcons line. I think Marcus Mariota is going to be running for his damn life. And I don't think they're going to be able to get anything going on the ground with an injured Cordell Patterson who... I believe he, he is, he's listened as questionable, but I believe he came out and said yes, he's going to play. So with the Browns having Clowney and Garrett as questionable, if both of them don't play, then sure. I can see the Falcons maybe pulling out an upset here. But other than that, I think that this game just screams. Just I think we're really underrating the Browns right now, and I think that they're going to have to go on to win this game. If the Falcons have a shot, Sure. But the, the Browns should definitely win this game. It's, th- it's still enough of a stay away, though, to the point where I wouldn't bet, I, or I wouldn't put my life on either team. But I think that the Browns are a pretty safe bet, especially at minus one, if that makes any sense. Next game, good old NFC East rivalry game here Cowboys and Commanders. Commanders are traveling to Dallas to Jerry World to face the Cowboys. Dallas is favored by three. And I feel like that is because of the fact that they do have Cooper Rush in there. And I think Cooper Rush isn't getting any respect because he is still just a backup quarterback. But in my opinion here, I don't think this game is going to be close. And maybe it might be just because Cooper Rush... Maybe he reverts back to just being a backup and he'll drop this one. But Washington's O-line is so bad. And honestly... I don't know, last week, what was it, what was it? He was sacked nine times by the Eagles. I know the Eagles have a a spectacular defensive line and a spectacular, really, secondary as well to make Carson Wentz stay in the pocket, but I think the Cowboys' defense is going to be the difference in this game. I think their defensive line, especially having Micah Parsons rushing as a linebacker, he he's such a good pass rusher. I think that the that the Cowboys should just say, okay, you know what? Screw the linebacker tag. You're going to be pass rushing a lot as well. You do it well. Why the hell wouldn't you have him do it? You know, and I I really do think that they, that their defense is going to be the differentiator in this. I think that their pass rush they're going to abuse Carson once again. I have no faith in Washington's offensive line. One of their guards in one of their tackles. One of them's out. The other's questionable. It, it it's going to be pretty brutal. In Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, I, I think they're all going to be able to just take advantage of the of the poor offensive line, you know. So, yeah, I I think I'm going to have to take Dallas all the way here. Offensively, can da- what can Dallas do? I don't know because C.D. Lamb he he still has yet to really have one of those solid okay I'm a number one wide right receiver game. And Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, they're they're just they're harshly average on the ground. I guess. So can their offense do it? I don't know, but I think their defense can more more than likely shut down uh, Washington's offense. And it's not to say that Carson Wentz has been bad because I think Carson Wentz has really been he, he's, he's been doing his best to carry this team and he, he hasn't looked too bad. He has a decent amount of yards like I said, he has seven touchdowns, three picks on the season so far. They just don't have a run game either. In Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, they've proven that they've been, I mean, Terry McLaurin has already proven, Curtis Samuel came in off an of injury, hasn't played much over the past few years, but he's shown so far in a limited sample size that he can be a reliable guy in the slot. And Jahan Dotson just, he, he, he's good for a touchdown every week almost. I mean, last week he was pretty much non-existent, but I, I believe he has three or four touchdowns on the season. So I don't know. This is another game where I really go back and forth on but I think that the Cowboys' defense is is the big it's 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 the big unit here, and I think that that's why I'm more likely to side with the Cowboys. Earlier on in the week, I, I initially picked them as my as my survivor pick, and I was like, yeah, okay, that's a good, that's a good bet. I think they're going to destroy them. I, I kind of waned, and then I switched over to choosing the Vikings for this week because with all the Saints injuries, I think that the Vikings have a much better chance. But now I'm kind of wavering on that. It's another bad week for for survivor picks because there's a bunch of different things that can happen, honestly. Next up, we have the Seahawks at the Lions. Now, if both teams were fully healthy, I would 100% pick the Lions here. But it's it's, it's looking like um, DeAndre Swift is not going to play. I believe he was officially ruled out. Jonah Jackson is out. I believe they have a backup kicker in there as well. And then also Amon Ross St. Brown, he was ruled out as well. So you have your number one running back, your number one wide receiver out And yes, you're at home. I know that I, I love Jamal Williams. I think that he can carry the load for at least a game or two while Deandre Swift gets healthy, but DJ Chark, I believe he's also working back from an injury. So the, the receiving core is really depleted in the Seahawks. The outside of that game against the Broncos, where honestly the Broncos just aren't that good of a team, so okay they're able to win that. I don't, I don't know. I don't <laughs> I'm really. I'm really just struggling to form an opinion here on the Seahawks. I guess they they lost at home to the Falcons last week. I I'm not impressed by them at all. And realistically, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, they should be able to take full advantage of the Lions' secondary and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. This this is really just a stay away game. There's no unit on either team that really stands out to me, especially with all the injuries with the with the run game now for Detroit being hurt. This is honestly a go either way game. And Detroit's favored by three and a half. I honestly might just have to take it and swallow the points there, and and just just really rely and bank on the fighting Dan Campbell's to pull out a gritty win here, which it 100 possible. Jared Goff has been playing well, even though Iman Ross St. Brown's out. I think he can he can utilize everybody else. On the team, Josh Reynolds, whoever it may be, DJ Chark. Hopefully, they come in. TJ Hawkinson should be a big day for him. So, the Lions are good in the trenches, both sides of the ball. Ah, I don't really know, guys. It, it it feels like a pick 'em game, even though the line says otherwise. I might have to side with the Lions here, just because they are at home and the Seahawks aren't a great team. But I can see it going either way. Right now, I'm going to lock it in at the Lions at minus three and a half. But still, should be a good game. I'm excited for it, though. Now, Titans and Colts, oh my god, this is, typically, I mean, going into the season, you would think that this is a game essentially for, for the division, really, it's one of those big division games, but both of these teams just look bad, and right now the Jaguars are in the lead of the division, so it's sink or swim for both of these teams, the Colts and the Titans, obviously the Colts are at home, so they should have that little bit of advantage, but the line says that they're favored by three and a half. Which, if you, if, you, if you think that home field advantage is worth about three points, it's saying that the Colts are favored by about half a point on a neutral field, saying that these teams are about equal. And honestly, I completely agree with that. I think that the Colts, they're, I think that people are kind of overreacting to last week's win, saying, okay, they are a good team, they just started rough. No, the, the, the Chiefs lost that game last week, the Colts didn't win it. Uh... In the Titans, I think everybody's react, overreacting to their wins, saying, oh, well, they beat the Raiders. The Raiders are not a good team. They're the only un- or completely defeated team left. They're the only winless team left. So it's not like they beat an incredible team. It's, I don't know, it's it's really a battle of two very, very disappointing teams. And really, whoever wins this game, I think the loser is is almost done in, in the division, for the division race, because... If the Colts lose this one, sure they're one-two and one, but if they can't beat the Titans and they already lost to the Jags and tied the Texans, things aren't looking good for them in the division. I would say that they likely would be then the second or third best team at best in the division. Uh, obviously, getting destroyed by the Jaguars and then if they lose to the Titans this week, losing to them and then only tying the Texans, it'd be hard to put them as the best team in the division. Uh, same with the Titans. They they haven't looked good. They got obliterated by the Bills. They lost to the Giants, and then just barely beat the Raiders. So if if they lose here, one in three that that's rough. It's a rough it's a rough look. Jonathan Taylor's hurt for the Colts. Uh, I. I this it's, a, it's going to be another ugly game. I think Matt Ryan looks bad. Ryan Tannehill hasn't looked too great. And then honestly, Derek Henry hasn't looked great either. Neither really is Jonathan Taylor for the most part. I know he has a ton of yards, but last week he looked pretty bad. Neither team has a really bona fide receiver besides Michael Pittman. It's, it's, it's going to be a sloppy game. I already know what will be. I'm going to side here with the Colts just because they are at home. And honestly, for no other reason besides that, I don't feel comfortable enough in either team. I don't think either team has showed anywhere close to enough to gather any sort of any sort of trust from either fan base or any any sort of the media either here. So really, for me, it, it's just I'm I'm going to side with the team that's at home right now. I'll take the Colts to cover. I I, I guess just because uh, I I don't know maybe not to cover. I might take the the Titans to cover the points, but I'll take the Colts to win here. It's going to be a pretty close and honestly. If I'm being honest, it's probably going to be a pretty crappy game. But, hey, never know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We've been surprised. It might be one of those games that's so bad it's good. Now, next up, another probably going to be a bit of a tire fire here is the Giants and the Bears. The Bears, Justin Fields, had just he, he, he's completely not trusted. No no one trusts. He's not trusted by the coaching staff. He's thrown for 300 yards, not even 300 yards in three games, and David Montgomery's hurt, so Khalil Herbert, even though I mean right now he's the team's leading rusher and he looks like a great running back, I can see him running the ball thirty times this game. Justin Fields over three weeks, he's averaged fifteen attempts a week in eight completions a week. Brutal, just terrible. And the Giants are coming off of a bit of a heartbreaking loss, I guess, against the against the Cowboys there. Daniel Jones really threw it away in the last few minutes there. I I think that all signs point to the Giants winning. I think they have a much more established defense that would be able to just completely shut down this anemic offense of the Bears. I, I I, don't know. I think they have a much better offense. I think Saquon Barkley is starting to regain some form. I don't think he looks anywhere close to as good as vintage Saquon Barkley would. but, or, Well, I guess rookie year Saquon Barkley would. And yeah, now that Sterling Shepard's out, they don't have their leading receiver. So that's going to be a big a big issue, but thankfully, the Bears are not that great of a pass defense. I, I like Jaquan Brisker a lot. They, ju- they just drafted him, but outside of that, they don't have it, a really awe-inspiring defense. So, honestly, it's going to come down to if Khalil Herbert can put this team on the back and beat up on the Giants defense, and if Daniel Jones can just be efficient enough to manage the game. Because I think if the Giants can, can manage to just be good enough, if, if Daniel Jones can be a game manager, and Saquon Barkley can kind of just do his thing, they should win this game, plus also the Giants are breaking out their new, their old retro uh, uniforms, you know, so that, that, maybe they can draw on the old, the, the, the vibes from Lawrence Taylor and whoever it may be, but yeah, I mean, looking at their injury report, Kadarius Toney's out, Wandale Robinson's out, that's now essentially you're one and two so you're gonna need to try and rely on Kenny Galladay, who's pretty much outwardly really said yeah I don't want to play here trade me uh, Leonard Williams is out Cordell flat Nick McLeod, you're starting corners defensive lineman it oh it's an injury bowl for the Giants and then for for the um for the Bears they're essentially number one corner and Jalen Johnson is out they're number two on Crookshank he's out as well it, it, it's just not looking good it's it's a war of attrition. Now, for almost every single team. And it's it's really just me picking the lesser of two evils here in the Giants. I think that all around they have a better offense even without um even without all these receivers, really. I mean even even without Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, Wandale Robinson, I still trust their receiving core more than I do the Bears. Darnell Mooney. He's, he's been non-existent. Equinemia St. Brown's their number one guy with less than 100 yards. I mean, dear God, they're just pitiful. And I don't think Justin Fields can be trusted to throw the ball. So when it comes down to it, I'm just going to take Daniel Jones and say that hopefully he can pull it out at home in crunch time. I think it's going to be a really, really low-scoring game. So next up, we have the Eagles versus the Jaguars. And if you looked at this week, I don't know, maybe not week one because the Jaguars looked all right week one, but... If you looked at this early on in the season, you would have said, this is such a crappy game, the Eagles are going to roll them. Not anymore. I think this is actually going to be a very good game. Obviously, we have the Doug Peterson storyline with Doug Peterson coming back to play the Eagles, Eagles being at home. This is going to be a very, very good game, I think. Obviously, the Jaguars are coming off of a massive win against the Chargers, winning by 28 points, four freaking touchdowns. Against the Chargers, who a lot of people pick to be in the Super Bowl. I picked their quarterback to be an MVP. So, yeah. And then, obviously, the Eagles are the last undefeated team. So, can they keep that streak going? Maybe. I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. A lot of people p- are picking the Eagles to just outwardly uh, obliterate the Jaguars. I believe their line is almost a touchdown at about 6.5. I can see that. But, also, I don't think that the Jaguars are just a flash in the pan. I know I said it... Uh, I know I said that like I need to start taking the Jaguars more seriously, and I really, really do believe that. And this isn't just me trying to curry favor with Jacksonville fans. I think they're for real. Trevor Lawrence looks good. He, he really, really does. He, he's more efficient. He's limiting his turnovers. He only had that one pick at the end of the Washington game when he just chucked one up in the last few seconds of the game. So he, some people wouldn't even count that. They got a good running game going. James Robinson's really showing out. And Trev Zetian's a little bit of a good change of pace kind of guy. Christian Kirk came in. He looks incredible. Just touch, averaging a touchdown a week, really, he's he's doing everything, which I know everybody mocked the signing of him, especially to that huge deal. But he does look good, and he looks efficient as well. However, even regardless of how great their offense looks, and listen, their defense is great too. Tr- Trayvon Walker's looked great. Devin Lloyd. AFC Offensive Player of the Month, or Defensive Player of the Month, I believe, or Defensive Rookie, at least, he's looked great, they look very well, Doug Peterson has his team rolling, but right now the Eagles are a bit of a buzzsaw, and they might be going into this game a little bit kind of overlooking the Jaguars, I want to say, maybe they're just riding high, but just because Doug Peterson is coming back, I think that they're going to take this game more seriously. I think that, I don't know, God forbid if Urban Meyer or just whoever else just insert a random coach in here that, wasn't, that didn't have any ties to the Eagles, I think that they would be more apt to or more prone to look over them. But the fact that it's a revenge game, Doug Peterson's coming in, the Eagles are already thinking like, hey, this guy's going to be throwing the kitchen sink at us. I think that they're going to be on top of their game. And I, I don't know. I, I can't see the Eagles faltering here. I think Jalen Hurts has been looking very, very good. Uh, he, uh, he, he's been garnering a lot of MVP um, talk, and I think that that's rightfully so, but I don't think he's, he should be the favorite to be MVP just yet. He's been very good. He hasn't been awe-inspiring or spectacular. I think Lamar Jackson has been essentially Jalen Hurts, but better. So I think that right now it's Lamar Jackson. If you're looking at that, he, he kind of leads the... Leads the, leads the league in, I guess, who should be MVP. It's either him or Josh Allen, just because both of those guys have been spectacular. And they're facing each other this week, so we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, nevertheless, Jalen Hurts has been playing great. A.J. Brown has been great. Uh, Devonta Smith had his little breakout game last week, and they have a good r- um, run game between Miles Sanders, uh, Jalen Hurts, and whoever else they decide to throw in there with um, Kenny Gainwell or Boston Scott as a change of pace guy. So I don't know, it, it, it screams letdown week for the Eagles. It really, really does. And this is a week that I would love to fade the Eagles, especially at how much they're getting in I I, I just can't. I think that the Jaguars have a very good chance at covering, but I, I'm going to stick with the Eagles here. Tipic, tip I mean and listen, if if the Jaguars come out and win this, I'm not gonna be that surprised. I I think that the Jaguars can definitely catch the Eagles off guard if they come out flat, but I think that with it being just the thesis of a revenge game, sort of, I don't think that the Eagles are going to have a letdown here, especially not at home. So I think that the Eagles are going to come out and be able to do something here. Now, next, Jets and Steelers. Jets traveling to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. I know I touched on Zach Wilson, obviously, earlier on in the podcast. Zach Wilson is going to be back for this game. And that does mean quite a bit for the Jets as a whole. And it's going to be interesting. It really, really is. I, I can't wait to see what Zach Wilson's going to look like. I think he has all the tools. I think he did last year. I think that being able to kind of sit back, learn, get healthy, stuff like that, I think that that could benefit him. But again, it is his first action in so long. So he's going to be rusty. He really, really is. And especially coming off an MCL injury, it, it's scary. I, I don't know how much he's going to do is really what I'm trying to say here. And the Jets offense has been okay. They, they, they've racked up at least, I don't know, they're averaging about 300 yards exactly per game passing through the air. But a lot of that is because Joe Flacco has thrown the ball about 50 times a game, which no, no one wants to do. <laughs> no one wants uh, to be throwing about 50-some-odd times a game. Not good. But with that being said, I mean, Garrett Wilson, he's looked pretty damn good. Again, a lot of it is because it's volume. But when you have Garrett Wilson, he looks all right. You have weapons like Elijah Moore, Corey Davis as your twos and threes at this point. Um, CJ Uzoma, hopefully he can start to get involved. They have weapons on offense. And they have the names on defense as well. They have uh, Carlos, not not Carlos Dunlap, um, I'm blanking on his name, came from the Bengals, was hurt last year. They have him back. Uh, they, they have a decent defensive line. Quinn and Williams should uh, continue to just be solid, I guess. C.J. Mosley, obviously, obviously, on defense. So, they have some names. Sauce Gardner looked all right. It's just, I don't know. And it's going to be, it's really going to come down to what, what kind of offense do we get from the Steelers. Because the Steelers' offense is gross to watch. It is so bad. It is... Najee Harris looks terrible. Mitch Trubisky can't get a thing going. They can't pass the ball. They can't run the ball. They're just terrible. The play calling is so vanilla. It's so predictable. Their offense is pitiful. And can their offense do anything, anything at all against the Jets' defense? I don't know. Even with them being at home, I really don't... I can't see them moving the ball against the Jets. I just really, really cannot. And... I I don't know which I want to pick the Steelers because, in, in my eyes, it's a do or die time and I think that they notice that they're one and two. Their next couple of weeks they just have brutal brutal games. I think they have the Ravens, the Bills, like j- just really really rough games coming up. I think the Dolphins as well thrown in there. So they really need to win now, and they really really do just because they do have such a hard uh, upcoming schedule. But I I don't know if they can. Can their defense stop Zach Wilson? Yes, but what if Zach Wilson comes in and he's not rusty? Because that's the only thing that gives me pause is Zach Wilson being rusty. If Zach Wilson's rusty, Steelers should 100% win this game. If he comes in and he's just even all right, and the Steelers' offense stays how it is in the fact that they just can't move the ball at all, the Jets will win this game. So this is going to be another extremely, extremely low-scoring game. I, it, it's giving me Patriots versus Steelers vibes. Like a, I, I don't know, like a 20-17 to 17 is my guess for this game. I'm going to give it to the Steelers just because, I, I don't know, I feel like I know what we're going to get, whereas the Jets are up in the air, but this one's, it, it's going to be, it's going to be another really, really gross game. And honestly, I know I've said that about most of these, but just looking back at the slate so far, like Browns-Falcons, Seahawks Lions Titans Colts Bears Giants Jets Steelers all these games are just not they're not really exciting at all at least not right now and I think it's I think it's going to be pretty brutal <laughs> at least at least in the first slate depending on what games you get this one however is probably going to be the upset of the week and that's Chargers Texans I I am fully invested and I do think that the Texans can pull this out against the Chargers do I think they will I don't know, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of make up my mind in the next few minutes here, I guess, as I talk about it, as I talk it out with you guys, because I'm so back and forth on this game, the Chargers are 100% the, bet- the better team, 100%, Justin Herbert, I will take, he is just light years ahead of Davis Mills, Austin Eckler, I'll still take him over what Damian Pierce is, I mean, Damian Pierce is a better runner, Austin Eckler is a better receiver, I guess. And then receiving core, I mean, on paper, the Chargers have a much better one in Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, uh, DeAndre Carter, even he's been a nice little breakout here. But Keenan Allen has been ruled out. Rashawn Slater, like I said on last episode, he's on the IR. He's missing the year. Joey Bosa is now put on the IR. We don't know when he's going to be back. Corey Lindsley, will he play? The Chargers are banged up is just really the best way to put it. J.C. Jackson, I don't know if he's going to play. The Chargers are a walking hospital this year. And it's brutal. Even Justin Herbert himself is banged up. And the one thing that the Texans do well is they have a damn good pass defense. You can't really pass on them. And now is that just a product of who they've played? Like Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, uh, Justin Fields? Probably. But nevertheless, I mean, until proven otherwise, they're a good pass defense. And the, the Chargers have no run game. I mean, if if they, if they want to win this game, especially on the road, I think that they need to be able to run the ball. And Austin Eckler has not been able to do that. He's averaging less than two yards, or maybe a little over two yards a carry. They don't have a run game whatsoever. And I, 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 just, I just, they got beaten by the Texans last year. Can they do it this year when they're hurt on the road? I, I don't know. In looking at the Texans, Davis Mills has been meh. He had a decent first week and then not great second and third. I think he's just a game manager at this point, but the Chargers weakness right now, especially with Joey Bosa out, is their run D. I think Damian Pierce is going to feast this week. I really do think that he is. I think he's just going to need to pound the rock and really capitalize on it that way. I think Davis Mills will be able to take the checkdowns, throw it to his guys like Conley, uh, Brandon Cooks, maybe get OJ Howard involved again and I think that they're going. It's it's going to be an ugly game. I think it's going to be kind of low scoring. In may- maybe maybe the Chargers can really get a pass game going, and I wouldn't be surprised because Justin Herbert's really the first good quarterback that the Texans defense has faced. But I think every every single week we have one of those games that you're like, just, just, what, what the hell happened? Like, what happened here? And I think that this is going to be one of those games. It could be the Jaguars beating the Eagles, but I'm going to take the Texans beating the Chargers. In this one, uh, Los Angeles on the road, super, super, super banged up, favored by five and a half points. I, not not something I'm going to take. I'm definitely going to take the Texans to cover, and I'm going to hesitantly say that the Texans are going to win this week. A- am, am I rock solid on that? Absolutely not. But I think that this is going to be the upset special of the week. The Texans are going to get their first win here, and the Chargers are going to continue a little bit of a skid while they continue to just struggle to get back to being healthy. Now, for the last game, and honestly, probably best game in the 1 p.m. slate, that is the Bills versus the Ravens. This game has it all. You have the two leading MVP candidates, in my opinion. Um, Lamar at one, Allen at two. Maybe you can switch them around here, but in, in my opinion, I think Lamar's just been a little bit more important to his team. He has the most touchdowns in the league. And at this point, I think that Lamar Jackson has just been the entire team. And if we're looking at most valuable to their team, it's Lamar. Now maybe maybe Josh Allen's been more spectacular. He's made better plays, been more flashy. I I, I think Lamar Jackson's been more important to his team. He, he hell he accounts for eighty seven percent of his team's yards. 87 percent. just kind of like hiccup hiccup or whatever there. I don't know what the hell that that was little bit of an exorcism god only knows but lamar jackson's been incredible and it's funny because lamar and josh allen are obviously both the the team's leading passers but they're also the team's leading rushers as well and that's really what it's going to come down to i think is which quarterback can be more spectacular than the other it's going to be a battle of quarterbacks here if lamar jackson can outduel josh allen they're going to win no matter what and vice versa because in this, the Bills' defense is beat to hell still. I mean, obviously, Micah hides out for the season. Jordan Poirier, it's looking like he's not going to play. Dane Jackson's looking like he's not going to play, even though he was back at practice. So it's looking like it's going to be the um, two um, safety, Jaquan Johnson, Demar Hamlin again. And then also on top of that, Christian Benford, who was their original number two slash number one corner, he just had surgery on his hand. He's not going to play. So the Bills' And they, they picked up Xavier Rhodes off the street. He's not going to play because he's injured. So right now the bill's corners provided Dane Jackson does not play is Kyrie Elam at number one and then three undrafted free agents. Um, like off the off the like practice squad people that they never had had on their team prior to this week. Jamarcus Ingram, who, I believe now it marks like his week of being on the team. He's, he's going to be the number two probably and then maybe cam lewis or someone else whoever they elevate from a practice squad is going to be the other guy brutal just brutal injuries ed oliver probably won't play jordan phillips is already ruled out uh what's his name mitch morris is questionable dawson knox is questionable uh tommy doyle he tore his acl he's going to be out it, it's brutal The Bills are as banged up as it can get. I know that I said that the Chargers were the walking hospital. It's looking more and more so like the Bills are that as well. And it's just, oh my god, it's brutal. It's brutal to see. And it sucks because it's such an injury-ridden team. And this game would be incredible if both teams were fully healthy. I think it's still going to be incredible, but just a little bit less so. Now, the cool thing is for the Ravens is Ronnie Stanley, an incredible, incredible tackle. He's questionable. Which I know that that you're like he's questionable. Why the hell is that a good thing? It's because he hasn't played in over a year now, and this could be his first action possibly in a very very long time, which is very very exciting. It's very very good for the Ravens fans, really. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And the Ravens are at home, and in general this year, it's it's not hyperbole or anything. It's statistically the Ravens have had the worst defense in the league, and. It's it's, it's really just going to come down to that. So you you essentially have two pitiful defenses because I know that the Bills do have a highly ranked defense, but they're going to be on bare bones once again. And the Ravens have statistically the worst defense in the league. So it comes down to the offense. For the Ravens, Lamar Jackson is their offense. I just said he's 87% of their yards gained. It's going to be Lamar Jackson on the ground. Can the Bills contain him? I don't know. It's going to be either Mark Andrews or Rashad Bateman through the air. So it's going to be big on the Bills, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano to limit Mark Andrews. And then it's going to be Kai Uriel thrown into the fire against Rashad Bateman. So those are really going to be the big matchups to look at. And then really it's going to be, can Josh Allen, this banged up O-line and really a depleted receiving core, and in my opinion, such an overrated receiving core. Can they do anything against the Ravens' worst defense? I think so. I think that the Bills and Ravens are both going to have the way with with each defense. I think this is going to be like a 40-30 game, something like that. I think it's really going to come down to whichever quarterback can, can outplay the other. And right now, it pains me to do it. I think that the Ravens are going to pull this one out. I do think that, I mean, they're at home. They have the home field advantage. Baltimore fans are incredible fans. They have a great fan base. Uh, I, I think right now, Lamar Jackson, if he continues to play at this level, and I think he will be able to against a banged-up, depleted defense, I, if he continues to play at this level, I think there's no stopping him. So I, I think it's going to be a very close game, and I, I think that the Bills are still favored in this, which is a little ridiculous to me, but I am going to pick the Ravens to win, and so obviously they would it would cover, because the Bills are favored, they would win. Yeah, I'm going to take the Ravens in this one, but I think this is going to be the game of the week in my opinion it's going to be high flying you have the two leading MVP candidates and I think honestly whoever wins this game is going to cement themselves as the leader in that category because right now I feel like everybody for the most part is saying yeah well it's Allen or it's Lamar with Jalen Hurts a close third or maybe you're saying that they're all tied whoever wins this week will be able to flip the script because they they had that win in a head to head matchup so Bills Ravens game of the week in my opinion I'm going to take the Ravens here but it's going to be such a fun game to watch. I can't wait. Now, moving into the afternoon slate, the 405-425 slash games for me. Starting off with the Cardinals and the Panthers. I don't know. I don't have... And, and I know I've said this about so many of the games this week, and you guys are probably really pissed. Like, hey, make up your damn mind. Like, give us something here. I can't. Because the, the, these are these are another two teams that you just don't know what you're getting. The Panthers have looked bad. They, they really, really have. And I know it pains me to say, because I've been on them earlier on in the season saying hey they can really be something here I like Baker Mayfield he hasn't gotten anything going Christian McCaffrey he he's he's been good he hasn't been his all-star self but he unfortunately is questionable now with an injury in practice that's brutal the best part about the Carolina team is their defense and I've said that going into the season I think their defense is incredible and I think that that's going to need to carry them this week now looking at the Cardinals." They're just the most inconsistent team, really, that I can ever think of. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get, because they rely too much on Kyler Murray, but unlike Lamar Jackson, he's not able to carry the load. The the Ravens put everything on Lamar, and he's stepping up and carrying the load. The, the, The Cardinals kind of live and die by Kyler Murray, but he's not always able to do it. And they also have believe like all their receivers as questionable I I believe Marquise Brown is questionable AJ Green's probably not going to play DeAndre Hopkins is obviously still out JJ Watts questionable Zayvon Collins is questionable Um, Rashad Lawrence is out Ezekiel Turner's like they're hurt in their offense James Conner he 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 kind of is regressing from his incredible year last year Kyler Murray like I said if he's not on his a game they aren't able to do much so it, it, it's weird they're on the road uh, Carolina like I said I love Carolina's defense and I think that Carolina's defense really will be able to kind of at least put the brakes on the on the Cardinals offense and then along with that I think that the the, the Panthers offense has just enough to overcome their defense if that makes any sense I think that Robbie Anderson DJ Moore uh, and LaVisca Chenault hopefully Chris McCaffrey hopefully if they're healthy, I, I'm going to take the Panthers in this. I'm leaning towards them because I think they have a good enough defense to kind of neutralize their offense. And then with that being said, have a decent enough offense to overcome the Cardinals. Terrible, in my opinion, defense. And it, it might be a little bit of an upset, I guess. I, Carolina is favored in this game. But I think just based off of like name recognition, people are going to say, oh, well, the Cardinals should win because like they're superstars, they're the Cardinals, blah, blah, blah. Not this week. I th- I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers to bounce back here and really have a big, a big, a big, big win here. Get themselves to two and two. Now, Packers and Patriots. What a bad game. <laughs> I mean, the the Packers can't really get anything going on offense, which stinks to see. Uh, the, the the receivers just haven't stepped up yet. And then um, further for, further along along those lines, the Patriots have not been able to get anything going on either side of the ball. I think that. Their defense is okay for the first little part of the game, but, I mean, after going on the field and on the field and on the field and just constantly because their offense can't get anything going, they really trickle down the stretch and they aren't as good. So, I I think, obviously, I'm leaning towards the Packers here. Mac Jones, it's very, very unlikely that he's going to play, which, it's weird because he hasn't been ruled out yet officially, even though he has a high ankle sprain. Bill Belichick refuses to announce it, but... If he's diagnosed with a high ankle sprain, I'm like 99.9% sure he's not going to play, so I'm going under the assumption that Brian Hoyer is going to be the starting quarterback here, so I think this offense is going to be even worse. Mac Jones led the league in interceptions with five so far. He hasn't been able to get anything going, so what the hell is Brian Hoyer going to be able to do, especially against a great defense, in my opinion, in the Packers? Now, they haven't really showed the, the statistics, I guess, of being a great defense, but I think they, they've had a decently rough schedule. They've faced some decent teams. And after you hold the, the Buccaneers offense to 12 points last week, I think that they're really starting to come into their own. I think Jair Alexander's supposed to be back and healthy. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, uh, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, everybody on their team. I love the Packers defense. Do I like their offense? No. Do I think that they're going to be able to do much against the Patriots? No. But I am more than, more than, more than confident in Aaron Rodgers to be able to put up enough points to be a depleted and really honestly at this point just bad Patriots team so I'm 100% going to take the Packers here the line shifted to to about 10 points it's at nine and a half now started at like six and a half Mac Jones got hurt then it went to ten and a half now it's at nine that's a lot of points especially for a really really poor offense so I think the Patriots are going to cover the spread here but like I said, I, I, I can't see the Packers losing this week, and they're they're a really, really good survivor pick. And I'm, I'm still going back and forth on my survivor pick this week, but I'm thinking I was thinking Packers, I'm thinking Vikings, I'm thinking Cowboys. I have no idea, but this is definitely one of the big ones that, that people are going to want to take. Now, the final 425 game, this is really going to be the battle for the worst team in the AFC West. The Broncos are 2-1, and one, the Raiders are 0-3, oh so obviously if the Ra- even if the Raiders win, they wouldn't be... I guess worst record-wise, but these are clearly, in my opinion, the two worst teams. The Broncos' offense is terrible. Yes, they have a good defense, but their their offense is terrible. Russell Wilson looks terrible, and I know that I'm not a fan of Russ, but it, it's brutal. Uh, their run game looks good enough, but once again, their just passing game is just so bad that they really can't get anything going. So it's it's a passing league, and if you can't do it, you're not going to be able to keep up with the high-flying teams. And, I mean, yeah, I said that their defense looks good, but s- stinks for them because the Raiders' offense doesn't seem to be the issue. Derek Carr throws a ton of picks now, but he has all the weapons through the air. He has Mac Hollins, obviously, who had a big game last week, uh, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. He has the names, and they don't have a great run game. With I mean, Josh Jacobs has been doing enough, I guess, but outside of that they don't really have anything, and their defense is terrible. So this week, it's really going to be weakness versus weakness and strength versus strength, I guess. And so it's going to be the strength of the Broncos, their defense versus the strength of the Raiders, their offense. And then the weakness of the Broncos in their offense versus the weakness of the Raiders, which is their defense. the Raiders are favored by two and a half, which is pretty much insinuating that on neutral field, they're about even. I completely agree. I just think that the Broncos offense is, I guess, less of a liability than the Raiders' defense. The Raiders' offense is not as... it's. It I, I can't see um, Derek Carr being able to overcome enough to beat the Broncos' defense. And I think that Russell Wilson, even though, like I said, he hasn't been doing well, I think there's going to have to be a week where he just... The game's put on him and he's let to pass like 50 times a game. And I think this might be that week. And I think he's just going to kind of pile up and abuse the uh, the depleted, pretty terrible secondary of the Raiders this week. So my 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 call here, 100% going to have to go with the Broncos, unfortunately. Not, not really unfortunately, because it's not like I'm a, I'm a Broncos hater or anything like that. It's just unfortunate to see the Raiders, with all the offseason hype and everything like that, it's just really unfortunate to see them kind of go downhill so quickly, in my opinion. And I do think that they're going to continue to be the only winless team. I think that they're going to be... Well, technically not the only winless because I don't think the Texans have won, but they've at least tied. You, you know what I mean? I think that the Raiders are going to be owned for after this week. Now, a pretty exciting on paper Sunday night football matchup that is obviously the Chiefs traveling to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers, yeah, d- despite all the issues with the Hurricanes going on down in Florida and obviously prayers out to everybody down there dealing with them. Uh, it, it's brutal, I've, I've, I've watched the news, and it, it hurts my heart to see it, and sending prayers to everybody down there, I wish you all the, the very best, In yeah, but and anyways, the game is still apparently taking place down in Tampa, down in Raymond James Stadium, it was announced, and the line right now, it's even, it is dead even, which is, which is curious to me, I, I, I don't know, because I, I really don't know what to make of either of these teams. The Buccaneers have not looked good. Like, I- I've been the one pretty pretty outwardly saying it. Tom Brady doesn't look good at all, and I-, I still believe he doesn't. It just depends on if they can get their weapons back. Because if Julio, Russell Gage, uh, Mike Evans, he'll be back. If Chris Godwin's going to play, and they have their full complement of weapons, I think that they can really, really get something going here against the Chiefs. But I don't know if they're going to be able to score enough or as quickly as they really need to be able to to keep up with the Chiefs' offense. And I know that the Chiefs didn't look good last week. Forget it. I, the, the, Travis Kelsey's not going to drop a wide-open pass like that. They're not going to have the special teams' woes like they did last week. It's just not going to happen again. Now, the Buccaneers' defense is obviously a lot better than the Colts' defense, but I, I don't know because I've, I've seen the, 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 the Buccaneers' defense shut down some damn good teams. I I have. But I've also seen the Chiefs offense just put up crap tons of points. So, it, it, it's weird to me. It's, it's a rematch of the Super Bowl from a couple years ago, obviously. And in that one, the the Buccaneers defense just suffocated Mahomes. Will that happen again? I don't know. I, I think it definitely could. And I'm leaning towards the Buccaneers. But I'm, I'm worried that that's because of the precedent. I, I, I do... I do really have a ton of faith in the Chiefs bouncing back. And I can't remember the last time the Chiefs lost two in a row, which is why I'm ultimately going to side with the Chiefs here. I think that there's been a lot of adversity for the Buccaneers with practices being displaced and canceled and moved around stuff, obviously because of the hurricane was, again, praise out to all of you. But I think that I just have more more faith in the Chiefs' offense, which, which is weird to say because when you think of – The Buccaneers' defense are like, oh, well, their corners are incredible. They'll be be able to lock down the Chiefs' number one guy. Well, who is the Chiefs' number one guy, receiver-wise? Obviously, Travis Kelsey is a great tight end, but Devin White's going to be on him. He's going to be locked up. So the next step, obviously, is just to lock up the Chiefs' number one receiver, which is typically Tyreek Hill. But, I mean, who is it now? Who are they going to double cover? Are they even going to be able to double cover? Are they going to choose to double cover Juju, MBS, McCall Hardman? I doubt it. Sky Moore? I think that they're going to be forced into playing kind of a a, a defense where the, uh, just kind of a man-to-man defense. And I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to get enough protection with their new revamped offensive line. I think they're going to have enough time for their guys like Juju and MBS to get open, whether it be downfield or just in the slot. And they're going to be able to dink and dunk their way to a victory here. So going to take the Chiefs to end up winning this game. Like I said, it was an even even game, so it's just a pick Now, last game that I want to get into, obviously the Monday night game, Rams at 49ers. I don't know where I want to go on this one because it takes me back to last season because it's essentially the same teams as last season because now that Jimmy G is in the fold officially, he's had another week to pick up the playbook, he's had more rest, and yeah, he did have that blunder where he ran out the back of his end zone. That was a bit brutal, but yeah, I... The 49ers have historically had the Rams number, and I know that the Rams did manage to beat them in the playoffs last year, ultimately win the Super Bowl, but I think things are back to normal for the 49ers. With Jimmy G, I think they know their offense. I think they can kind of start to install last year's offense, which gave the Rams trouble, and I think that the Rams have really, really struggled this year. Matt Stafford has five picks, tied for the league lead with a Mac Jones. I... I don't know. Their offense is just scary to me. It really, really is. And I don't know if I have enough faith in the in the Rams' offense to be able to do anything against the 49ers' defense, even though the 49ers' defense is facing some injuries as well. So, I mean, th- this, again, in my eyes, is sort of a pick em. The 49ers are favored at home. I-, I think that the more established team on paper is the 49ers, just based on their defense and their offense. But, again, I'm not sure... How I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo, and I don't know if it's just me banking on Matt Stafford looking like how he did last year at some point here, but it makes me want to lean towards the Rams. But I think ultimately I'm going to be safe and just side with the home team here in the 49ers. They've had the Rams number forever, and like I said, they're getting back to their roots as how they were last year. I think they're going to be able to get Debo going back into his old role as to last year. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to game manage enough. And I don't think that the Rams have enough firepower at this moment, even though they have all the same names essentially to keep up with them. I think Cooper Cup's their only guy. Allen Robinson's been a disappointment. Van Jefferson's still out. They have nobody else really to to kind of pass the ball to. So I think that as long as they double cover Cooper, double oh, double cover Cooper Cup. Say that five times fast. They should be able to win this game. So ultimately, gonna end with the 49ers. I think this is going to be a great game, possibly low scoring, but yeah. In th- That's all the games that there are. In It's looking like it's going to be kind of a very up or down week. I mean, like I said, I mentioned most of the games that- that'll probably be pretty brutal. Like I said, Browns Fal- Falcons, Cowboys Commanders, Lions Seahawks, Colts Titans, Giants Bears, Jets Steelers, Chargers Texans, Cardinals Panthers packers patriots and honestly even broncos raiders all those games i don't think are going to be too great i think they're going to be very slow slugfest sort of games but then we do have a couple of good ones in there like a good old rivalry rams 49ers chiefs bucks super bowl rematch obviously bills ravens battle of MVP, mvp qbs and then Vikings, saints which could be good and i'm just excited because it's the first london game so <laughs> that's all the games it's really all i wanted to touch on for them and that's all that i had for you guys today uh a lot, a lot going on. I, I know. Sorry for a little bit of a longer pod, but I know you guys have been enjoying them when they are. So, hope you hope you guys did enjoy this one today. Make sure to follow me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor as well. Follow me on social media, at Gabe underscore fluellen on Instagram. Uh, I'll keep you updated. I post all the, all the recent updates, whether it be through the news or anything like that. Post all of those. Um, on my Instagram, game underscore and G-A-B-E underscore F-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N. With that being said, that's it for today, you guys. Have a great weekend. Have a great, great football Sunday and really football Monday too. Looking forward to talking to you guys soon, recapping all the action, all the other big news that drops. Cannot wait, you guys. Have a good one. Peace.